Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey, my name is Drake. I'm the pastor here. It's an honor to have you joining us today. You guys so glad you made it? Oh man, I'm so glad you made it. It's an honor to have you here. Hey, listen, so we're, we're walking through the book of 1 John over the summer. So we're taking roughly 13 weeks walking through this letter from, first, from, from John, which is quite possibly Jesus' best and closest friend on the planet. And so we talked about one of the best ways to get to know you outside of talking to you is getting to know the people closest to you, right? In fact, sometimes I can get to know you a little better because I get to know the unfiltered version of you from the people closest to you, right? And so we have the opportunity of of walking with John through this letter that he wrote. And now John, while a young man, when he was walking with Jesus, is now pushing like at 80, 100 years old. And he's writing this letter to the early Christians, to the early church, because they're facing some discouragement. They're facing some challenges. um, They're facing some disillusionment. And so he's trying to encourage them and kind of help them on their journey of following Jesus. So true or false, life is a journey. You guys feel like that? And, and true or false, you, uh, that journey's not always as you planned, right? Uh, I, I was uh, um, reading a book earlier. I can't remember what, what the title of it was, but Andy Stanley said it this way. He said that everyone ends up somewhere in life, and a few of us end up there on purpose. And I was like, ooh, that's so true, right? Why? Because, because while the, this life is a journey... There's so much grind in front of us. There's so much life happening right here. Um, There's so much instant gratification and microwave culture that you and I are constantly in the moment and we don't give a lot of thought to the long term. And and so a lot of us kind of end up somewhere in life and, and, you know, you've heard it probably many times of like, how did I get here, (laughs) right? You're like, where where, where am I and how did I get here? And I thought I'd be here by now. And, and, uh, um, there's a quote that I was reading earlier in a, in a book. By the way, I love to recommend books, and so if you're a big book nerd like me, um, there's this book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which, again, if you're, if you're looking for help on your journey, because life is a journey, if you're looking for help on your journey, I highly recommend that book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and it's uh, written by a guy named Peter Scazzaro, and he said that the problem with life being a journey is that journeys involve movement, which is, you know, that's a good thing, but then they also involve action and stops and starts and detours and delays and trips into the unknown, right? That's the problem, is we would really like this just linear linear effort of like, here's destination, and we're just grinding that way. I don't mind a little bit of work and a little bit of progress, but when I have to backtrack, when I hit a, a block in the road, when I have to go around something, when I'm going through things that I didn't plan on in my journey, I get frustrated, I get disillusioned, I, I, I get uh, um, uh, depressed, I get angry, right? We all have these different emotions that come up when the journey that we're on is not exactly going in the direction that we'd like it to. Uh, I, I was hiking Bear Peak with some friends earlier this, this week, and uh, we started it in car. And, and we, 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 we walked down the trail, and, and you can see Bear Peak the whole time. And you're like, oh, that's not that far. And then you start walking and you keep walking, and you keep walking, and it's so depressing because you have to go like around and down into a valley, and and then go back up another mountain, and then down again, and then back up. Like you make a a couple of switchbacks on the way, right? Which is like counterproductive work. You're like, I just want to go up. I just want to get right there, and then you get to like the the false top, right? I don't know if if you've walked Bear Peak, but you get to like what feels like the top, 
and you're like, yeah, we made it. And then you look and you're like, oh, just kidding. There's like another half mile of, of climbing on your hands and knees to get to the very top, right? And, and life is like that. It's never consistent. It's never how we, we plan it. And while, you know, you might love hiking, which is fine. Uh, um, life, it doesn't always throw us those kind of grinds that we would like to be in. And so I, I have this idea because not only is, is you know, life a journey, but um, following Jesus is a journey. And I realize like we have people that as we gather, are, all, are, are in different kinds of places on your spiritual journeys, right? So some of you, you've been following Jesus for a minute. Some of you have, um, you know, been, been kind of on the outside looking in, kind of examining why you believe what you believe and, and trying to wrestle those hard questions to the ground. Some of you uh, um, have been hurt by the church, disillusioned by the church, and frustrated with faith in general. Like, we have all kinds of different spiritual journeys that come together as we gather. And so I realize as you're walking in, you could be on any, you know, number of places on your spiritual journey, but as we look at what it means to follow Jesus, following Jesus is a journey. It's actually an invitation into a journey. And, and John would tell us that. That's what we're going to see today. And it reminds me of the scene in The Hobbit. You guys seen The Hobbit? Okay, I, I love, man, it's so good. So I wanted to play a clip, but then I think it's illegal for me to grab that off the internet and show you. So uh, I'm just going to illustrate it for you. You guys cool with that? Because I'm such a good actor. Not really. I'm just going to tell you how it went. All right, so if you're unfamiliar with the scene, there's this moment, right, where, where Bilbo Baggins is invited on an adventure. How many of you guys love to go on adventures? How many of you guys love the adventures on your couch through a screen, right? You're like, I'm going to let other people live my adventure, right? We, we would love adventures, right? And so he gets invited on this adventure, this quest, and he's like, no way, not me, not doing it. And then he's thinking and he's thinking, right? And all of a sudden he starts to realize that he's missing out on an incredible opportunity. And so there's this really iconic scene, you see it in the trailers, where he's running through the Hobbitville, right, through all the hills, and he's got the map in his hand, right? He's got, or it's not a map, it's a, a, a contract, to be on this quest and to be on this team. And so he's running. I don't know why he runs like this. He's got the arm out the whole time, running down the hills, and he's running through. And then someone yells, Bilbo, where are you going? He's like, I'm going on an adventure, right? And sometimes, like, like following Jesus starts like that. Again, I don't know what your, you know, impact has been up to this point or what you've understood about following Jesus, but like sometimes we start following Jesus in this, in this amazing way. We're like, oh, I'm going on this adventure and Jesus is so, so awesome and it's going to be great. And so we're running with the map and, or the, the, the contract and he gets there and he joins the team and they put him on a horse, which is really a pony uh, because he's a hobbit and he's short. And, uh, and then like two minutes into the adventure, and this is so funny to me, two minutes into the adventure, he like stops. He's like, wait, 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 stop everybody. We have to go back. I forgot my handkerchief. Right? And right, I mean, you got like big burly dwarves and like, like it's a big epic battle, right? And so, um, you know, it's just this really silly moment of like, okay, he's on this big adventure, he's super excited about it, but we got to pause and go all the way back because we got to go get our handkerchief, right? And I feel like that's what it's like when we're following Jesus sometimes. Like we get in and we're like super excited about it on the front end, but all of a sudden we have these silly little things that cause setbacks, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, wait, wait, wait. I have this to go to, or, oh, man, this came up, or, oh, man, I didn't think it was going to be this hard. And then naturally, what, make, what makes for a good movie is conflict, right? That's why we like it, is because there's awesome things that happen, and there's parts of his journey that are unanticipated, and, you know, you and I enjoy watching those pieces, and we love to watch someone win, but then when that's part of our story, we're like, what the heck? How did trolls get in my story, <laughs> right? Some of you live with some of those trolls. Anyway, all right, so... Where am I going? All right, so, so life is a journey, right? And following Jesus is a, a journey. And John's going to talk today about how to approach our journey. Because here's the deal. I think some of you, like, we show up in, for different reasons. I don't know why you're here this morning in particular. Uh, some of us show up looking for hope. Some of us show up looking for answers. Some of, some of us show up looking for, uh, um, you know, community and, and uh, uh, being a part of something bigger than ourselves. Some of us just show up because there's, like, this sense of ought 
inside of us, right? Like I ought to do that, and you actually don't know where that ought comes from, but you show up anyway, right? We have all these different reasons that we show up, um, and, and I realize that you could be in any number of those, but let me just speak to your story today. I don't, I don't know where you are on your journey. I don't know if you feel like you're like, you know, on a mountaintop or in a valley, or, or you're just kind of coasting, or like your journey seems to have no direction at the moment, um, but I believe that God wants to meet with us today. I believe God wants to speak to us today. He wants to speak into our journey. He wants to speak into your hard circumstances, he wants to speak into your long-term vision and plan for your life. He wants to speak into your daily grind. And so if, if you're just kind of meet me in this space, um, uh, maybe right where you are, like, uh, you know, you don't have to look around, but like maybe flip your hands over on your lap just a little bit, kind of open palms, and just take a moment, maybe close your eyes for a second if that's helpful for you so you're undistracted, and uh, just enter into a posture with me of being open. And maybe internally right now, you just pray in your mind with your palms open, hands open, and internally you pray, God, I'm open. I'm open to what you want to say today. I'm open to what you want to do today. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus in the room. You say, I'm, I'm open to the possibility of, of, of this being real. I'm open to the possibility of your love being able to change things. I'm open to the possibility of you redirecting my journey. I'm open to the possibility of correction. I'm open to the possibility of encouragement. And in this moment, man, would you just take a space right now and, and let your heart and mind be open. And God, we, want, we just want to ask you to meet with us right now. We were here for you. And we want to leave here today better than we showed up. Not because of the people we encountered as much as the way that we encountered you and the way that we encountered you through one another. So we give you this space. Amen. All right, so first John, you guys ready to dig in? All right, all right. So, so as we walk through this book, ju just a heads up, right? Like, we, we do this on purpose here at City Church. We, we intentionally walk through books, and then we'll, we'll change it and go through, like, a, a topical message. For, for example, in the fall, we're going to do this eight-week series called Starting Point. It's going to be really, really helpful uh, on your spiritual journey, but it's going to be a totally different series from what we're doing right now. And so as we walk through First John, one of the reasons we do this is it makes us wrestle with what's in front of us, right? You don't get to pick and choose and skip around and have your favorite highlighted verses or whatever. This is just whatever's there. We're walking through it. We're dealing with it. And can I be totally transparent? It is freaking hard, okay? It's really hard. Like last week, you can go online and watch it. Like last week was one of those like, wow, I would never ever pick this verse to talk about. <laughs> right? It's like some of that stuff. And then, so today, uh, John's got some really helpful language for us. But again, context, let me give it to you. He's writing to some Christians who are being discouraged and disillusioned because there's this group of people who left the early church. And they are now claiming things that, that are basically like fa false theology, false doctrine. They're saying, hey, you don't need Jesus. Hey, sin is not a problem. Like, hey, yeah, God loves you. And, and you can just kind of be a good person and make up your own rules. And you can be the own authority in your life. And you do whatever works for you and what feels good for you. And so they're starting this kind of, uh, uh, what we talked about as last week was like a counterfeit invitation into following Jesus. And so John is not only correcting those voices, but he's also trying to encourage the ones that are following Jesus, okay? So he starts off, now, little children... Okay, John's heart, 80, 100 years old, right? He's kind of like Grandpa John at this point. And, and he starts off, and this is so important, he starts off always, over and over again, like every time he starts a paragraph, he starts with little children. And this is so important because he starts with our identity. So today we're going to get into some activity conversation, right? Your journey is full of activity, and there's right and wrong turns and places to go and things to do and things to avoid. But before he gets into activity, he addresses identity. Why? Because your identity is a huge influencer over your activity. Some of us, you, you come from religious backgrounds where it's like shame and guilt are the driver and it's, you know, change the way that you behave and it's about behavior modification and external polishing when, when there's still some stuff going on on the inside that's not being properly motivated. And if you're, if you're like me, shame and guilt aren't long-term motivators. 
They might get me for a moment, but they don't have a long-term lasting impact. I don't change for the good. And so John understands that, that Jesus didn't come to give us behavior modification, but to change us from the inside out. And so he starts with our identity. This is so important, so important for your journey. Because when you know who you are, you know what to do. You guys with me? And, and, and if we're speaking in light of a journey, w- when you know where you're going, you also know what to do. Is that, is that fair? Right? Like when you know where you're headed, it also informs your activity. And so John's going to speak a little bit to that. He, he says, little children, abide in him. This is a word we looked at last week. It means like an ongoing relationship, okay? You and I don't talk like this, right? We don't, we don't have abide unless you got some, you know, fancy Christian thing hanging on your wall. But like, right, we don't use this language a lot. But abide means just an ongoing relationship that literally walking with Jesus for John, it is a journey. It is a decision that you make in a moment that you and I become followers of Jesus by trusting in him and asking for forgiveness. And he saves us and sets us free. But it's, an, it's a one-time decision into an ongoing relationship. And, and over and over again, John is going to talk to us as, uh, like, trying to help us get a perspective that God is like a good father, like a good dad who is there for you, who cares about you, who wants your good, who walks with you hand in hand through this journey. When it's hard, when it's easy, when, when you're hopeful, when you're d- despair, right? God is a good father walking with you. And so again and again, he, he starts with this language, and it's so important. Why? Because this motive matters. The motive changes everything. He says, abide in him, walk with him, stay in relationship with him, so that when he appears, he's talking about Jesus coming back, okay? When when he appears, we might have confidence and not shrink back from him in shame at his coming. You ever ever been caught doing something you know you weren't supposed to be doing? You ever had that moment? You know what I'm talking about? And it can be like, you don't have to go like super deep, right? We can just talk about something like silly that that you were doing. You're like, oh, what? I wasn't doing that, right? Like the other day, I I caught Asher. He was... um, what was he doing? He, he had like some Play-Doh. We only play with Play-Doh at the table because Play-Doh is messy. <laughs> and Play-Doh's at the table where it, where it can be contained. And he like had rolled up a little ball and he had it in his hand and he slowly got down from the table and he's making sure I wasn't looking, right? And I watch him and he kind of just sneaks away. Like, like it's so funny because he's three years old and like, like just, just that he's even aware of this is, is really funny to me. And so I look over and I'm like, hey man, what are you doing? Nothing. What do you got in your hand? Nothing. Okay, um, where do we play with Play-Doh? On the table, <laughs> right? We just have this totally, like, stone face, no way do I know what's going on. And in the moment, right, like, I was like, what's in your hand? And he goes, right, it's just Play-Doh, right? It's not a big deal, right? Like, get back on the table, man, right? But in the moment, he has this sense of shame, right? It's just when, when you're in, in a situation where you know what you should have been doing, and you're not there, right? He's like, hey, when Jesus comes back, whether, whether it's in this lifetime or at the end of your life, at your last breath, you're going to stand before Jesus. And he's talking about beginning with the end in mind. You guys heard of, of Stephen Covey and the Seven ha- Habits of Highly Effective People? Another really, really good book. Okay, I'm a book nerd. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And um, he, he writes in the professional world as a Christian, and he says that one of the things that really allows us to get somewhere on purpose is beginning with the end in mind. So rather than looking at what's in front of me, it's looking at the end of my life, what matters is the end. So John is bringing our vision up. He's like, hey, think about your life at, at the end of the game, right? Not just what's happening right now, but like, man, when, when Jesus comes back or, uh, you know, it, it, you, you take your last breath, is it going to be one of those like, oh, you know, Jesus, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, I, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't do this like I should have been, and, you know, I wasn't very attentive here, and I, you know, I was, I was building my kingdom instead of your kingdom over here, and I wasn't using my money like I was supposed to, right? Are, are we going to have all these excuses of what we should have been doing because we knew we should, but then, you know, we're doing our own thing? Or John is trying to encourage us, hey, can we live in such a way right now that whether, you know, Jesus comes back tomorrow or it's at the end of our life, that we can stand before him without shame? Does that make sense to you guys? 
right? This is just a motivation to say, lift up your perspective that, that what you do with your life matters. If you know that Jesus is righteous, he's right, um, there's no sin in him is what, what John has said over and over again. You might be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. So again, the big, big picture here is begin with the end in mind. That, that's what uh, uh, John is trying to get at on the front end. And there's a couple of languages here that are really, really important. As he's having this conversation about being a follower of Jesus, he uses the language of everyone who, who, who lives like Jesus has been born of him. He uses this language of, of being born again. And again, John was there. John was there when Jesus was teaching about being born again. I don't know if you've ever heard this language, okay? It kind of sometimes gives us a bad rap because it sounds weird, like, are you a born-again Christian? I don't know why you have to have that accent when you say it, but like, that's, right? There's this weird idea, like, like sometimes that language is not how we talk, but Jesus, it comes from Jesus, okay? Jesus said, hey, you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. So you have some people, you ask them about their story, their journey. You say, hey, like, when did you start following Jesus? And they'll say things like, well, I've always been a Christian. And John would say, no, you haven't. <laughs> You haven't always, you, you can't, it's impossible because Jesus said, unless you've been born again, you're not a, you, you cannot be a part of the family of God. You can't make it into the kingdom of God. And so John uses the language of being born again. And again, he's trying to help us identify what it means to be a part of God's family. So very simple question for you, right, is, is, is when it comes to following Jesus, have you been born again? I gave my life to Jesus at 15 and it changed everything. And, and that idea of everybody in here was born, yes, physically, everybody, yeah? Okay, just making sure. Yep, that was everybody. Okay, so in the same way that you were born physically, Jesus would teach that you and I have to be born again spiritually, that we are born spiritually dead, spiritually disconnected from God, and through the sacrifice and the incredible love of God through Jesus, you and I have the ability to be born again through faith, by trusting in Jesus. Not behavior, not performance, but Jesus. Trusting in him, okay? You guys with me? This is really important theology because, again, John has people coming in and saying, oh, well, you know, you don't really need that, right? Like, okay, okay, life is a journey, right? And there's just one mountain. And, and you Christians, you are on one path, and you're going up the mountain. And you know what? There's other world religions over here, and they're on their own path, and they're going to the, the mountain too. But you know what? It's the same top of the mountain, right? It's the same mountain. John says, it's not the same mountain. They're different mountains, <laughs> okay? It's not, it's not even the same top. Right? There's only one way, one path to the top. And then John's saying that's Jesus. You guys with me on this? Okay, this is foundational theology. We don't always go here. Right? I know this is not, you know, feel-good stuff. But our head influences our heart, which influences our hands. Okay? It's not enough to be up here. But what, what's up here matters. You guys with me? So John is dealing with what's going on up here. Some of us are like, what? <laughs> okay. All right. Let's go on. Um, let's see. Where are we? Uh, verse. What's the next verse? You got that, Colin? Hey, all right, thank you. So then he's going to speak about motive, okay? He says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. He, he, right, he's talking about motive. Hey, think about how amazing this is. God loves you. He made a way for you to have a relationship with him into the family of God. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. You see, like, the emotion here? I mean, this is like stirring your heart to think how amazing is God's love for you as a father. He says, and so we are. Children of God, when we, when we choose to, to trust in Jesus. The reason why the world doesn't know us is that it didn't know him. On this journey, as followers of Jesus, sometimes you're gonna experience conflict and it's not because of your journey, but it's because of other people who are maybe, you know, you're bumping into on that path and they don't, they don't like you because you're a follower of Jesus, right? He's saying, hey, listen, Jesus had conflict in this world. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're gonna have conflict. C can we just acknowledge that, that it's okay to like disagree and still be friends? But, but like, there's gonna be moments as followers of Jesus where you're gonna have to disagree. 
where you're going to have to be in opposition, not, not because you're mean, not because you're hateful towards people, but simply because following Jesus requires you to be on a different path. If we're talking about life as a journey, Jesus talked about it as, as like that there's a wide path and a narrow path. He says the narrow path is harder. Following Jesus is harder, right? It's not this super adventure, carry the contract, you who, you know, it's like always, you know, butterflies and rainbows. Like sometimes it's hard following Jesus and he's speaking to that. Like don't be a disillusion when, when your journey gets hard is what he's saying. You guys with me? Okay, he goes on. And he says, beloved, we are God's children now. And check this out, listen. What we will be has not yet appeared. But we, what we know, I'm sorry, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. What's, what's he talking about? He's talking about once we start following Jesus, have you noticed if you're a follower of Jesus, have you noticed like you gave your life to Jesus and some things got better, but you didn't like get perfect, right? Like all your stuff didn't just go away. Isn't that interesting? Like do you ever wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and you're like, I don't like that guy. You ever do that? That's just me? Okay. <laughs> Look at my mirror and I'm like, you, self, making a mess, right? There's this moment where, where you and I have this, this already not paradigm of, of we're invited to follow Jesus and part of this journey is that we're being continually made like Jesus. There's this, this big theological word, you're going to get what you pay for today. It's called sanctification. That was a joke because you didn't pay for anything. All right, so sanctification. Sanctification is me being made more like Jesus every day. So, so again, if we're beginning with the end in mind, if, if this life is a journey, what's the goal? That you and I are increasingly more and more like Jesus. Not just in our character, not just in our conduct, not just in the words that come out of our mouth, but in the way that we think, the way that we engage, the way that we love, the way that we serve, the way that we are involved in the world around us. That we look in the mirror and things are continually being reformed and changed into the image of Jesus. Right? None of us are perfect. And God is very aware of that, okay? And he's not this mean dad just, just throwing fits every time we make a mistake. He's this loving dad who says, hey, I see your journey. I see your story. I see the end game. I know where we're going, and I want to walk with you there. I can help you. I know it's hard. I know it's frustrating. I know you don't like that part about you. I know you get frustrated when that happens. I know that this really hurts you, but I'm going to walk with you through it. You guys with me on this? John is painting a picture for us. St. John of the Cross says it this way um, when it comes to this journey, and, and I just want to like, just see if this reflects with you a little bit, okay? He says that God is actively working in us to free us from such things as like, like these deadly spiritual imperfections, okay? Because God loves us. He's trying to remove those things that are hurtful to us, hurtful to others, and dishonoring to him. You guys with me? So, so he's trying to remove, St. John of the Cross says, he's trying to remove things like pride. You ever have a problem with that? Just me? <laughs> right? right? That, that, that pesky thing gets in the way, right? Pride, be, being judgmental and impatient with the faults of others. You ever been there? I look in the mirror and I hate that when I see it. When it comes out, I hate it. But then it happens again, doesn't it? Right? God is working to remove the things like pride, things like avarice, which is suffering discontentment. You ever just discontent? You ever want things and you don't even know why? <laughs> if I just had that, I'd feel better. And you're like, no, no, I wouldn't. But in the moment, you're like, yeah, that thing is going to fix it. Uh, God is working to remove things like luxury, which is taking more pleasure in our spiritual blessings than in God himself looking for fulfillment everywhere but in our relationship with God. God is working to remove things like wrath, being easily irritated or impatient. Well, that's not you. 
You guys are like, man, when is this guy going to be done, right? Mm-hmm. I know, I know. Not even close. Okay, all right, here we go. Spiritual gluttony. He's working to, re- to, to remove things like spiritual gluttony. I'm just kidding. I have a timer in the back, guys, okay? We will get out of here on time. Spiritual gl- gluttony is resisting the cross, resisting the hard things, resisting the parts of our journey that hurt and are uncomfortable and are frustrating and are setbacks. Re- uh, God is working to remove spiritual envy. That's when we're comparing ourselves to others. God is working to remove sloth. That's when we run from what is hard. How many of you guys would be like, yeah, you know what, if we can get some of those things out of my life, that'd be sweet, right? That's the work of Jesus in and through you when you walk with him. That, that's all John is getting at. You guys with me on that? He goes on. Let me, let me give you these, and, and then I got something to show you. Verse 4. In verse 4, he says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Lawlessness would be that you're the highest authority. No one gets to tell you what to do. You set the authority in your life. What you say is, is right. It's your truth. Nothing else matters, okay? He's saying everyone who, who makes a practice of sinning also, also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared, that's Jesus, in order to, check this out, what? Take away sin. Isn't that interesting? Jesus didn't just come to forgive sin, but he also came to what? To take it away. Why? Because sin is hurtful to you, and it's hurtful to others. Right? Think of sin like like, like a poisonous snake in your backyard. Right? You just let your kids out. Yeah, go ahead and play. Hey, there's a snake. Oh, yeah, it'll be fine. Right? No. Right? What do you do? You you don't just, like, like get rid of it for a minute. Like, you want to remove it completely because it's harmful to those around you. That's what John is getting at. He goes on and he says that in Jesus there's no sin. So he's the one that can help us because you and I aren't able to do that on our own. No one who abides in him, there it is again, walks with Jesus, keeps on sinning. He's talking about habitual unrepentant sin, by the way, okay? Because you're like, oh, crap. Like, basically he's saying be perfect or you're screwed, <laughs> right? That's not what he's saying. He's talking about this habitual unrepentant idea that, you know what? I know God says that is wrong. I know God says that's not good for me, but I think he's wrong and I don't care and I'm going to do it anyway. And it's this unrepentant, zero conviction, right? And, and again, he's speaking to people who have walked away from Jesus in the church. And originally, John said, you know what? They acted like they were of us, but actually, long term, they've shown that they weren't actually following Jesus in the first place. Okay, so, so you need to understand this. You, you, can't, you can't earn your salvation, right? Jesus earned it for you. There's nothing you can do to be, to be good enough to get there. But you can fake it. You guys with me on that? You can't earn it but you can't fake it. We, we would joke a lot when I was in Texas um, um, and, and we would be, you know, uh, helping people understand what it means to follow Jesus. And, and there was a lot of people that had this idea that because, you know, um, my grandma's a Christian, I'm a Christian. Because I go to church, I'm a Christian. Because I live in Texas, I'm a Christian. <laughs> right? right? There was this, like, just natural assumption that, like, culturally I'm a Christian because of external influences. And then we would always joke, like, listen, like, like, you're not a Christian for coming to church any more than you're a car standing in a garage, <laughs> right? Like, like it's, it's not like, you know, faith by association. It's a decision that you make entering into a relationship with Jesus through faith. And that's what John is getting at. He goes on. In, oh, in verse 6. Um, he says, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning, and no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. So I want you to think about um, th- this journey with Jesus' lanes on a highway, Okay. Some of you grew up in circles where um, it was very perfectionistic. And so you have a lot of guilt and shame because it was either get it all right all the time or it's just shame and guilt and frustration. Some of your personalities lend yourself to that and, uh, and sometimes your environments, right? So think about your uh, lane on the highway, okay? You have, you have perfectionism over here 
and then you have permission over here. So, some, some of you grew up in, in, in cultures where it's like, you know what, Jesus loves me, he died for me, and therefore it doesn't matter how I live, right? Jesus loves me anyway, no matter what I do, right? And, and like, while Jesus loves you, right, he still cares about how we live, and it matters. And so there's two lanes on the highway. The other day, me and Grayson were, were driving somewhere, we're on a two-lane road going down 93, and, and Grayson likes to, like, race cars. And so uh, we're, we're getting behind somebody. He's going slow, and he's like, Dad, pass him. And I'm like, that's illegal. <laughs> right? this, there's a, this is a yellow line right here. I'm trying to teach him, right? Like, you can't always pass people, right? And so there's two lanes. And, and the idea is as we walk with Jesus on this journey, there's, there's lanes. And God is a good dad who loves us. And it's not meant to be this perfectionistic, you know, live a safe life, never, you know, like, like uh, just live in fear and, and don't do anything or just like live in permission and live whatever way you want and act like God doesn't care the way that you live, right? He's like, man, there's this journey that we're walking with and the goal is to get close to him and to hear what he has to say. So I, I think the best way that I can illustrate this is with this video. So you guys take a second and watch this video. Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I look in the mirror, I don't see a masterpiece, but I want to. So I go to God and I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, would you do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your Son? Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. No, oh, who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. That's how it works. <laughs> you're not God. No, I am. Okay, uh, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is a very short book. It only has five chapters. Why is it so short? I was tired of lamenting. You are God. What's that about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. This is the process. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Let's get busy. Okay. I'm going to bring up things in your life that don't belong in your life. And uh, start right here. Your anger. Ow! I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrongest of ways. You compare yourself to others instead of me. And you lie. You tell little white lies. You're so afraid of confrontation. You're becoming a people pleaser. Okay, time out. Um, I think you've done some really good work, and I'm looking pretty good right now. When you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately, you and other people need to see my son. Okay, but when I look like Jesus, people get uncomfortable, and I don't think I'm supposed to do that. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. No, what I'm saying is you've grown me to here. Maybe we take a break from each other for a while, all right? And then I'll stay here, and then you come back, and we can grow some more. You never just take a break from me. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but you never just plateau. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life, or can I chisel, control, chisel, control, chisel? No, 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 chisel. All right, here we go. Can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Okay, sorry. Mm. This right here, that secret sin, that thing that you run to whenever you're hurting, you're angry, you're lonely, you're tired. Do you want to keep rearranging this in your life, or do you want me to chisel it out? Chisel it. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's your whole life. Oh, this, this hurts, okay? I don't think you understand this pain. Don't talk to me about pain. I know all about pain. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you are doing in your life that are insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. I know, but I've let you down so many times, God. No, you were never holding me up. Okay, then chisel away. But just be prepared for what you're gonna find in there, because I know who's inside there. God, I get up every morning 
I hate what I see in the mirror because inside is a scared, stupid kid. And I try. I try, but I can't. I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. So chisel away and just know what you're going to find in there. You have listened to so many voices, so many critics for far too long that are not for me. You bought into the lie. You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night, at the end of the day, you think you're junk. I don't take time to make junk. I want to show you something about my love. Reach in your back pocket. This is a, it's a page from a notebook when I was in college. How'd you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, read it. You're God. Did I hear you right? You said you want to use me. But I feel really useless. But if you can take this life, this mess of a life I have, and do with it what you want, I love you, God. I love you, too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. It's gonna be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was gonna be easy when you said yes to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's? No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you. But maybe for the first time in your life, the way I made you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. You are an original masterpiece. It says that we are his workmanship. Another translation could, could be, we are his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Your life has a purpose. This journey has a purpose. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You're not an accident. You're not just floating through this life. This journey matters and God wants to do something in and through you. We're created in, in Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Listen, I, I don't know where you walked in today. I don't know what your journey has been like. I don't know if, if, if you, you know, you've been grinding every day, trying really hard to stay on the path that God has for you, or, or if we're being totally honest, you haven't give, given thought to God's path for, for a while. Maybe you have some rhythms, maybe you have some, some things that allow Jesus to be a part of your life, but they don't touch the end game. They don't touch the goal at the end. They don't, they don't direct the decisions that you make, the things that you pursue. And today, I just want to invite you to reflect on what it would look like to reorient your life around God's activity as you're going through this journey. We don't have the time today, but, but as, as John closes out this section of, of, of his letter, he concludes with something that he would have heard Jesus say over and over again. Because I think you and I get stuck on the, on the journey. We get frustrated and then we start looking at ourselves and we look in the mirror and, we're, and we get, you know, ah, we're like, ah, man, there's so much work to do. 
But Jesus said, listen, you don't, you don't need a list. You don't need, you know, you don't need all these things in your, in your backpack. You guys ever go hiking, right? And there's this balance of taking too much stuff with you. You know what I'm talking about? I think Jesus would look at you and I today when we're, when we're walking with him on this journey and he would say, hey, listen, make sure you pack light. Make sure you pack light. Because some of us, we're looking at our bags on this journey and we're like, oh man, we gotta you know, pack, some, pack some gentleness and pack some, some love and oh, don't forget joy over here and oh man, make sure we don't forget our daily routines of Bible reading and oh, we gotta go to church over here and oh man, we gotta make sure that we're serving this way and oh, we gotta give over here and we start filling our bags with all this activity that we have this idea of, of what it looks like to follow Jesus and those are not bad things, right? But Jesus said, listen, if, if you'll just learn to pack light, you don't have to worry about those things. Because Jesus said everything in this journey is summed up in these two commands. To love God and love people. On this journey, listen, this is not cliche. This is the direct inf- invitation from Jesus to simplify our journey and to love God and people. Can I, can I ask you, how, how's it going? On this journey, how's it going? So a couple of reflection questions before we worship together. To start this journey with Jesus, right, he already said it, we have to be born again. And so the very simple black and white invitation is, man, listen, where are you with Jesus? Have you ever made the decision to say, Jesus, I believe you're God, that you died for me, that you rose again so I could be saved and set free? Have you ever made the decision to trust in Jesus and ask him to forgive you and make you new? Because that's where that journey starts. It's not anything that you do, but it's recognizing everything Jesus has done. But after that, right, let me ask you this. Not not only have you started with Jesus, right, that's a great place, but are you continuing with Jesus? Like, like how's that walking going? Like, where, where are you discouraged? Where are you frustrated? Where are you disillusioned? And and how are you actively inviting and trusting God into that work in your life? Right? I've been thinking about my journey personally, and I've been asking the questions like, where am I distracted? Where am I I lazy? What is God working to remove and to chisel out of me? And can I be honest? He's been putting his chisel on some stuff that I'm not a fan of, and it's taking longer to get out of me than I want it to. But I'm trying to trust in him, to walk with him, that he's working for my good and the good of others. Are you packing light? Or are you carrying things on this journey that you shouldn't be? That's loving God and people. We have tools here to help you facilitate that as we gather. We have city groups that meet during the week to help build community and accountability into your life. We have tools to help you spend time with God daily to equip you to know how to pray and to read the Bible and to grow in your own personal faith journey. We have all of that for you. It's, it's not meant to be cliche, it's, it's that simple. That you and I would wake up every day this morning and say, on this journey, what would it look like today to love God with everything in me and let the overflow of that love turn into how I love people? Let me pray for you. Will you bow your heads with me and just take a moment of reflection? As you bow your heads and close your eyes, we're just going to take a moment and I'm going I'm to pray for you and ask you to reflect. God, right now, would you put your... And would you put your finger on the places in our lives that you're wanting to change? 
that are hurting us, that are hurting others? Would you put the, your finger on the pieces of our life that we are disillusioned by and discouraged by because of the hurt, because of the pain, because of the frustration, because of the activity of other people in our lives, because of the things that we can't control? And would you, would you let those be cause for us to draw close to you? Would you give us vision for a life that is bigger than ourselves, that you don't only want to walk with us, but you want to accomplish your purposes through us, that there are neighbors and friends and coworkers who are not a part of your family yet, who have not seen your incredible love and experienced your love, and it's not going to be through weird religious actions that, that they experience it, but it's going to be the genuine work of us loving and serving those around us, that when they look at us, they begin to see glimpses of your son in and through us. God, would you give us a vision for a life that's bigger than ourselves, bigger than a career, bigger than our own personal goals, bigger than our own personal kingdoms, but it would be about you and your kingdom. Would you help us understand our place in community, our place in the local church, our place in large and small groups? God, whatever it is that you're putting your finger on today, man, would we have just a disposition in our heart to surrender? It's in Jesus' name. Amen.